Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And this week, we are going to talk about male Canadian teachers with huge prosthetic breasts, girl boss highway cops who tell you to fuck off for being in front of them on the highway. Then we're going to revisit the pornographic book Gender Queer, which we talked about in an episode almost a year ago, and we will read an interview with a confused lesbian, the author who wrote it, who believes that she is not a sex. And we're going to end up by talking about California criminalizing medical judgment by passing a law that would de-license doctors who give out what they call misinformation about COVID. But first, we have a special message uh, from one of our new advocates. Let's just give a couple minutes, uh, just a couple seconds here to Shelby. This is Shelby, and I want you to go to your internets and go to patreon.com slash disaffected and sign up for $5 only to get into our Discord server because it is, oh, what, how, how do you say this? It is lit. Thank you. Are you tired of tiptoeing around on social media. <laughs> I feel like Sally Struthers again. Do you want to make more money? Do you worry that you'll get Twitter banned if you admit that you believe in gravity? Well, we've got a solution for you. You need to support our show because guess what? Now, when you support us at $5 or more, you get access to our 24-7 Discord server. What is Discord? Few of you have that question. Chat. It's chat rooms. It's internet chat rooms, except there are chat rooms. Um, we've got dozens of disaffected supporters who are already in there. We've got a channel for general conversation, politics, news, behind the scenes, all manner of stuff in there. And you don't uh, you don't have to pretend to believe things that you don't believe. So if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash disaffected or go to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. PayPal users who've donated, we haven't forgotten about you. We're looking at integrating right now. You're going to hear from us real soon, and thank you. Uh, let me just give you a little sample of what you're missing right now if you're not in there already. <laughs> we have a channel called Memology. Is it Memology or Memography or something like that? Um, anyway, one of our, our new regulars, Breezes, Breezes Christ, um, uh, left us with this. You capital show. Oh, here it is on the screen. Now I need my borderline glasses. <laughs> my son has been missing for a full 24 hours now. If we can hit 10K likes, I'll report it to the police. <laughs> so definitely, please join us. And if you have any trouble after you try to do so, just send us an email, us at disaffected.fm. Let's talk about how public school teachers in this country are actually... Marx, ugh, excuse me, Marxist revolutionaries. Project Veritas, which is headed by James O'Keefe and has been unpersoned in the mainstream media because they're a far-right provocateur organization that runs on hate. Well, they get things done and they get people to admit things that the regular media won't because they don't do their jobs. So recently they put out a video. We're going to show you some of this video. You're going to hear some of it. I want to let you know the audio is bad. There's no source for this that gives clearer audio. I will uh, give you a summary and a synopsis if you can't quite understand what's said. But what happened is they sat down, uh, I think under the guise of having a date with this woman. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. They didn't. They did not tell her the truth. This is called undercover journalism. You are familiar with this. You've seen it. You don't react this way when 60 Minutes does it, okay? So you don't have to react this way when Project Veritas does it. Normal. Not crazy. Normal. They sat down with a public school teacher from the New School for Leadership and Arts in New York City. And here's what she had to say. Our undercover journalists met up with middle school English teacher Arian Franco. Ms. Franco, who told us beside teaching English language arts to more than 60 teenage students a day, she says she uses violent protests as a learning tool for brick throwing. How did you approach them? This time, I think, like a good two months. Yeah. Because I'm like, how are they organized? Like, what's their purpose? Yeah. You know, like, the ones that work, what did they do? 
Oh, what's that? Those watching on the screen can see a transcript, but for those of you who are just listening, she's talking about teaching a class how to organize a protest and who to throw bricks at. Um, and I brought up like crazy like organizations that have done this. Like they chose which places to throw bricks to. Yeah. They chose, and they didn't do it in their own neighborhood. They chose yeah. which places to throw bricks in, she says. <laughs> this is what an effective organization does. It chooses its brick destinations. <laughs> so, you choose where to throw your bricks, middle school students. I guess this must be a, well, we would have called, we would call it civics, but that's not allowed anymore. So what is it, social studies or is it social activism now today? Oh, it's the new school. So that's every class. Um, <laughs> she says, it's not okay to do this. It's not okay to stage protests and throw bricks to, quote, black and brown communities, which of course means that it is okay, in fact, probably compulsory to do it in white communities whatever those communities are. Um, let's roll the next one. Not only does Ariane Franco teach her students about effective violent protests, she explains how she had her kids, quote, change the words to the Pledge of Allegiance. Like I tell them, like, my kids, we don't stand up for the okay. We do the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Yeah. No, but we keep on our business. Yeah, yeah. Right? So she's talking about how she had her kids, and she uses that term several times. I had my kids, my kids did, my kids did that. Time was, I that would have sounded normal to me, but uh, teachers really do seem to have a belief that they have a proprietary ownership and interest in children that they teach above their parents, so it kind of squicks me out a little bit when I hear it. So she's talking about how they don't say the Pledge of Allegiance, at least they don't see it the normal way, because it doesn't apply to them, and, you know, and why not? Well, because they're black and brown. It was never for them, right? White people never wanted to be for them. That's the myth. The myth is that the United States of America is not a country for everyone, and black and brown people ain't never had no rights and don't have no rights today. That's what we're supposed to believe if we're good people. What is this? Why don't they want the opportunity to participate in the American system of equal opportunity and equal dignity, freedom of movement, freedom of association for citizens. Why don't they want to participate in this? And that's it. They don't actually want to participate in this. They say that they do. They say, we're doing this because these benefits are not available to us. They're not telling you the truth. It has nothing to do with that at all. And it's not about racism either. That's not actually their goal. And it's not about oppression. It is about power. These people are either narcissists themselves or they are under the spell of a group of narcissists on the woke left. They're part of the cult. They need conflict. That is their goal. The conflict, the protest, is not the vehicle for them to get to their actual objective. The conflict in the protest is the goal. It's not the truck that delivers the product. It is the product itself. That's why nothing is ever good enough. That's why no matter how much you apologize, no matter how many times you grovel, if you get called out, it's never enough. There's always more. They need conflict because their entire identity is based on being in a power over relationship. Everything that they accuse the rest of us of doing, especially us white people, is actually what they're doing. And it reminds me of uh, lawyer and social worker Bill Eddy, who directs the uh, Institute for High Conf the High Conflict Institute, and I've said it before. His little quip is, the issue is never the issue with people like this. And that's true. It's not about racism. It's not about oppression. It's about power. And she says, we will fight for those that this does not address. And this is the Pledge of Allegiance or the Constitution. Yeah. 
Yeah, it just, just doesn't do it for black and brown people. And again, I remind you before moving on to the next segment that the overwhelming majority of public school teachers doing this are women. Now, speaking of things feminine, let's move to the Canadian big boob teacher we're going to talk about today. <laughs> you think Dolly Parton has a big bust? Well, think again, friends. I'm going to show you a little teeny, like, 10-second video clip. There is no sound, by the way, so I'm going to supply the sound effects. For those of you who are listening, this is a... Um, a video taken by a student in shop class. The teacher is leaning over, cutting a board with a circular saw. So we got that going? Okay, here we go. Yeah! Oh, yeah! <laughs> If you are just listening, you really, really must hop over onto Rumble and, or Odyssey and take a look. Because let me paint a word picture for you. This is a man, baby, who is wearing um, a long blonde wig, clown makeup. You know where they just, you know how little kids can't hold a fork or a pencil? Instead of, you know, holding it like this, they put it in their fist and they go like this. That's how he put his lipstick on. He was just like... Oh, wet and wild. <laughs> this is a big man who has the biggest, most pendulous artificial breasts I have ever seen in my life, and I've seen a lot of 70s porn. They are so big that they literally hang down below his belly button, and they have visible underneath the... the the sweater, whatever he's wearing, visible areola and visibly erect nipples. This is from Oakville Trafalgar High School in Ontario, Canada. For the full story, you should check out a website called Redux.info. That's R-E-D-U-X-X dot info. It's a radical feminist website. Um, it is one of the only websites I've seen that tells the complete and total truth about this kind of nonsense, especially these men pretending to be women. The women who run Redux.info uh, have have brass ovaries, and you should really give it up for them. I found that their coverage is accurate and dependable. So if you want more about this, go take a look there. The teacher's name, and most of this information is coming from Redux. Thank you very much. His name is actually Stephen Hanna, but today he likes to be called Kayla... <laughs> so here's a couple of quotes from the Redux story. <clears throat> Quote, this is from a student. The kids here most definitely don't think it's normal, but realistically, we can't say anything, one student said on Twitter. Last year, the teacher was a man. I don't think the school can fire him. <laughs> this is South Park. This is, this is Mr. Garrison on South Park who became Mrs. Garrison and asked everyone who wanted to pound his new vag and who tried to get himself fired from teaching class by bringing his gay lover, Mr. Slave, in. Oh, my God, Jesus Christ. And spanking him with a ball gag in his mouth in front of it. And the kids all thought he was going to get fired. And the parents were like, diversity, authenticity. This is literally South Park. Let's take let's take another look at Miss Lemuel. So here we are on the way to school. Um, first of all, that's not very COVID. How he's wearing his mask. You notice that it's underneath his nose. Um, so look look at those quote unquote tits. <laughs> Stand, standing in front of the the circular saw with those bazongas, and then we got another one here. Um, these are all taken by students. So the next one. It, it's just basically a, a gallery of what one person called his chesticles. And I think my favorite one is coming up. Can I put that last one up, that picture on the cell phone, please? He's standing reading. <laughs> I'm trying to think, who was that? Who was that 70s porn star? Who was that woman who, who got um, breast implants that were almost this big? Her name is on the tip of my tongue. Um, I can't remember. I'll remember when I'm done with the show, and then I'll tell you about it in Discord. And you won't know that unless you support our show, so sign up and support our show. But as usual, people are saying, this must be a hoax. <sighs> My friends, please stop it. We are 
years, years past, this must be a hoax, okay? No, no, it's not a hoax. Stop doing that. Stop affecting surprise. Start being outraged because you've had long enough. If you're, if you're one of those, this must be a hoax people, you have had long enough. We've given you long enough. Now I'm coming for you. You got to believe what you see. Not only is it not a hoax for a shop teacher, a shop teacher to walk around with double Z balloons in his chest. It's compulsory to allow it, and it is compulsory to celebrate it. Here's what the school, Oakville Trafalgar High School, sent in an email to parents as soon as these videos started making the rounds on social media. Quote, we are aware of a discussion on social media and in the media regarding Oakville Trafalgar High School. We would like to take this opportunity to reiterate to our community that we are committed to establishing and maintaining a safe, caring, inclusive, equitable, and welcome, welcoming learning and working environment for all students and staff. Thanks, Mommy. Also included this statement. We strive to promote a positive learning environment in schools consistent with the values of the school district and to ensure a safe and inclusive environment for all students, staff, and the community, regardless of race, age, ability, sex, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, ethnicity, religion, cultural observance, socioeconomic circumstances, or body type slash size. Shut up. Shut up. Oh my God. It is so painful to listen to these people, to read the shit that they just churn out. It's like they drove up with a, a porta potty on the back and just opened it up and let it spray all over us. All these bullshit words, safe and community and sexual orientation and gender expression. Look, cut it out. This dude is a fucking pervert, okay? This guy is a sexual pervert. This is the same man who would be hiding in the bushes, wagging his willy at kids when they go by. You know it as well as I know it. I'm sorry I'm yelling into the microphone. I am so tired of this shit. What about the students? What about safe welcoming for the students, you stupid idiots at the administration? How is this safe and inclusive for middle school boys or girls or anyone? Would you want your grandmother to have to sit and look at that freak, especially when he's got power tools? Come on. How is this not making them screamingly uncomfortable? Of course it is. That's why he's doing it. And he's getting a chub. Yes, that's right. I am saying that he is walking around with an erection. I guarantee it. Because this is a sexual fetish. Because he's a freak and a pervert. He's not a woman. He's not having a midlife crisis. He's a freak and a pervert. How, how is this real? How is this real? And I didn't have time to do this because I just saw this response this morning. But this morning, as I taped the show, Sunday, what is it, the 16th of September today? Or the 18th? I don't know what the hell day it is. Just this morning, the school ex expounded on their defense of him. They actually said he is, uh, she, excuse me, she is a, is a supported and valued staff member and has never had any disciplinary issues. They are doing this on purpose. This is what this is about. The school administration, they are not naive. They are not misguided. They are not doing their best. They are not unaware that this is sexual harassment. They know it. They like it. They know it and they mean to do this. Do you understand that yet? Do you see this? Can you accept that they know it and they mean it? This this is about showing you, normal people, this is about showing you that they can get away with it, that they like getting away with it, and they're going to get away with it, and they're going to rub your noses in, right in it. 
because they're counting on you to be afraid to say no. They're counting on you to be afraid to be called a bigot. Are you afraid to be called a bigot by pointing out that this guy who has breasts that are quite literally the size of a watermelon, fake breasts? Are you afraid of being called a bigot for pointing out that he's a psychopathic pervert? I don't know if he's psychopathic or not, but I'm sorry. This is Silence of the Lambs shit, okay? He's putting the lotion in the basket and taking it out every morning. I'm serious. Are you afraid to say something about this? Because if this isn't enough, nothing will move you. <sighs> Drives me crazy. Um, really quickly, because we have a break to go to, I just wanted to show you something else. My coworker was at the grocery store the other day because that's where everything happens. And she sends me this picture. Put it up there, Kevin. This is a picture of a car with a great big pink and purple dildo, about a nine-inch cock-looking dildo, cock and balls, sitting on the front of somebody's dashboard. Do you remember a couple of months ago when I showed you that car that had that cutesy little sticker and girly handwriting font that said, he just got passed by a girl, girl power? That, this is the same shit. You know that's a woman's car. You know that it's a woman's car. And I'll indulge you because some of you are pretending that you don't know why I would say that. Because this is the shit that women do these days. Men can't get away with that shit. The most you're going to get from a dude on the road is one of those really vulgar truck nuts things where the, it looks like a sack of testicles hanging down from the trailer hitch, which is, is gross and disgusting as well. But I rarely see anything like that anymore. Um, you know, this is girl bossery. It's just girl bossery. Huh? Look at my sex toy. Huh? All right. We're going to go to a break. But not only are we on Discord, we we broke, guys. We broke. We got a TikTok. It's not going to last long, probably, but we're, we're trying to reach out and affect the youth. So, <laughs> no, we're not, actually. We don't want to talk to anybody who's not 18. Um, find us on TikTok disaffected p disaffected the letter p and we'll see how fast we get shut down see you after the break there's a new perk for disaffected subscribers and it's a good one patreon and subscribe star donors now have instant access to our backstage discord server join multiple topic-based chat rooms 24 7 voice chat and even a virtual events main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions it's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. The days of Disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter, at DisaffectedPod. Follow us on Truth Social, at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at DisaffectedPod. PSA to everyone out there. I'm speaking for myself, but I'm probably speaking for a large majority of other officers out there. If we're driving on the freeway in our police car, get the f out of the way. Get the f out of the way. If you merge and we follow behind you and we merge too, you're probably in trouble. Best way to find that out is get the f out of the way. I can go 90 miles an hour. You can't. You can't do that. So get the f out of the way. If us officers stay behind you long enough, we can find a reason to pull you over. You might as well get the f out of the way. Super simple. That's all. You're welcome. Fuck out of the way. Fuck out of the way. Fuck out of the way. Super simple. You're welcome. Fuck out of the way. Cash me outside. Cash me outside. This is trashy bitch. Let's judge some books by their covers, shall we? Disney villainess eyebrows hard-winged eyeliner, and the entire hard prostitute makeup look. She looks like exactly what she is. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I'm No, I'm not sorry. First of all, I don't... Yeah, I'm going to go there. I want to see fewer female beat cops and more female detectives, because you know what? If there's a chance of violence, and if I'm involved in it or anybody I care about is involved in it, I want a big, strong man who can go up against a man because the perpetrator is 99 times out of 100 going to be a man who's stronger than any woman there, okay? 
and it, I, I th why did this occur to me, aside from the fact that I'm a horrible misogynist and I want all women barefoot and pregnant even though I've never touched a woman sexually? Um, because you didn't used to see this. You didn't used to see female cops tarted up like hookers, basically. But apparently, that's just fine now. That's supposed to inspire confidence. So your narcissistic, Disney villain-ass makeup, I'm supposed to think you're some bad boss bitch, right? And you know what's funny about that? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton has said many times over the decades that she modeled her flamboyant look on the town tramp from the town that she grew up in in Tennessee. The, the actual town <laughs> where I come from, we called that woman the town donut. You can figure it out. Um, <laughs> or the town bicycle. <laughs> so Dolly Parton modeled her look on the town prostitute. And she said because she found her so pretty, she thought her flamboyant hair and her colorful makeup and her, and her colorful attire were just very pretty. And I don't know how it comes across to you, but to me, and I've been watching Dolly Parton since, I don't know, I probably became aware of her in 1980. Um, she has never come across to me as cheap or she makes jokes about, you know, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. She's never come across to me as cheap or hard or mean. She does not scream prostitute to me, no matter how much makeup she wears and no matter how big her hair is. And despite her big, prominently featured bust. Why? Because she's a good person, I think. I think she's genuinely a good person. And I think that that goodness comes through everything she says, the expression on her face, the way she carries herself. Um, there's nothing hard about her, even though she wears more makeup probably than the, than the cop in this video. So this, this cop has admitted in public on video that she believes that she is above the law. She also believes that she's allowed to create crimes that will justify her being able to pull somebody over because she's angry that a mere civilian dared to be in front of her on the freeway. And while her understanding of the law itself is flawed, in practice, she's actually right. In actual everyday practice, she is above the law, even though it is not legal for a cop to go 90 miles an hour just because they want to, which is what she said. That's not legal. She can get away with it. She does get away with it. And she will continue to get away with it. She will not be fired. Oh, she was punished. She was suspended without pay for 10 hours for one shift. That was her punishment. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Anyone who has ever been pulled over by this woman, ever arrested by this woman, ever involved with this woman in a criminal case where you were the defendant, you should be talking to your lawyer right now and going back and challenging your arrest and your conviction because she's just shown that she's a liar and a manipulator and she breaks the law. So that's all. Very simple. You're welcome. All right. Breaking news. This came to me very recently. Um, we have learned here at Disaffected that Lady Love, the love that dared not speak its name, the love that lives in a well of loneliness actually wasn't invented until 1970. Check it out. This comes to us from uh, what appears to be Anne Wilson of Hart in 1987, but I am reliably informed that it is a man. So at least you know he's giving accurate information on lesbiterianism. Um, he says in a tweet, Lesbians didn't exist until 1970, yet there has always been same-sex attraction. Human sexuality is evolving. <laughs> What is that phrase about furious green dreams sleeping or something like that? <laughs> well, here's what happened. You see, archaeologists first excavated the sacred sapphic burial grounds. Uh, not burial grounds. <laughs> We're going to get to that. The sacred sapphic birthing grounds. They first excavated them in 1970, which is why you saw such a huge uptick in rug munching during the era of harvest gold, late 70s. Um, so put this on your calendar. Like cicadas, lesbians hatch on a seven-year cycle, so expect a bumper crop of them in 2026. I don't know if it'll be enough, enough to save us, but keep your fingers crossed. Now let's go back to a story that we first brought to you 10 months ago. This is about 
a pornographic book that is available in a local Vermont high school library, but also available in public schools across the country. The show that we went into this on detail in is called Shameless Pornography in Public Schools. It was published on November 21st, 2021. You'll find it on our YouTube channel. We will put the link to it in the show notes under this episode on YouTube, Rumble and Odyssey. Um, Gender Queer is the book, and it's a book by a written by a very confused woman named Maya Kobabi. Let's show you the cover. So we've got a, what looks like a young boy looking into the water and looking at a reflection of a different kind of young well, Let me turn it upside down. I don't know. It's a girl turning into a boy, into a girl, or something like that. Um, well... Um, not only did the Essex Westford School District here in Burlington, uh, uh, Essex Junction, Vermont, not do anything about this, although, you know, we sent them the information, we tagged them on Twitter, they are aware of the show. And I have, um, because I have a network of, of disaffected spies, I do have moles near there who tell me what they say. They're well aware of the show, they're well aware of what we said, um, and their response apparently has been that I am a right-wing bigot um, who's trying to harm the community, um, and I'm the one with the dirty mind. So uh, obviously the book is still available. Well, Maya Kobabi, the author, was recently interviewed by a very sympathetic Time magazine reporter. Let's show Maya here. I want, I want to point something out here. I'm going to snark, but I'm also going to be serious because that's how I roll and that's how I do this show. I want you to look at her posture. Look at the hunched shoulders. Look how she's hunched over, um, and she's standing there making herself small. This is very often a sign of a traumatic childhood. That posture itself is often an indicator of a traumatic childhood. You're trying to make yourself small. You don't feel confident. You don't want to stand up tall all the way. You want to be quiet. And I know this because I've noticed it in other people, and it's a problem that I have too. I still have a problem standing up straight. Uh, because of that. So just wanted you to note that. So here is how reporter Madeline Carlisle of Time Magazine opened this article and interview with Maya Kobabi. <clears throat> Quote, Maya Kobabi felt a wave of relief Tuesday morning. Waking up on the West Coast, an early morning peek at emails revealed that a Virginia court had dismissed a lawsuit seeking to label Kobabi's book Gender Queer as obscene and restricted sale to minors in Virginia. The suit was among the latest in an onslaught of challenges to Kababi's memoir, which was the most challenged book in 2021, according to the American Library Association. So we've already got it set up here. We've got onslaught, um, you know, war metaphors happening here. We already know that she's, um, she's I was going to say she's a heroine, but she's not, She no, she's not a hero either, because she's non, she's a, Anyway, she's oppressed um, because people don't like that she wants to teach children about perverted sexual things. Anyway, so apparently this court dismissed this lawsuit, so it's been established now. Now it's, now it's part of the science that this book is not obscene. And even thinking that is so ridiculous that it didn't even need a trial. The judge didn't even need to look at the evidence. He or she simply dismissed the suit because it's, it's just ridiculous on its face, isn't it? We can know that it's fine for children because of that. Keep that in mind. We're going to revisit this. Here are a couple of quotes from the interview. Oh, first from time. In the 2019 illustrated graphic memoir, Kababi, who, <laughs> who, who uses E-M-air pronouns, explores air process of coming out as non-binary and asexual. Let me repeat that for you. They use A-M-air air pronouns instead of they, them, their. So the super special neo-pronouns. And time is playing along. Time, in time's own words, in the reporter's own words, not a quotation of the subject, but the reporter's own words, says 
that Maya Kobabi explores air process of coming out as non-binary and asexual. <laughs> let's let's put the a picture of, of of Maya up again. I totally, totally can't tell that this is a young lesbian. Can't tell at all that it's a sexually confused young lesbian. Would never have known. I didn't even know that was a human. I mean, it's a good thing they told me they were non-binary because, I mean, I can't see anything in front of me. I, I can't tell, like, I, who even knows what a human is? The only, the only person who knows if they're human is you, okay? You are in the best position to know if you are human. <laughs> nope, can't tell at all. So, a couple of quotes. Time Magazine says, <laughs> the voice is coming. Why did she write genderqueer? Kobabi responds, I wrote this book in huge part because I was struggling to come out and I was asking myself all these questions and I was having these somewhat challenging conversations and it often seems like I was never able to fully get my point across. Next quote, Time says, when you wrote this book, who was your target audience? What age range did you intend to read it? Kobabi. I think I was really envisioning people like myself. <laughs> Honey, you've never done anything but envision people like yourself. You're a narcissist. Of course you are. Sorry, back to her quote. People who were thinking about gender who were probably either in their late teens or mid-twenties, who kind of had the same level of language and media exposure as young people that I did. So that's who she's writing the book for. Now, I want you to watch in the next quote how Times reporter Madeline Carlyle buries the truth by characterizing all pushback against this book as coming from, quote, GOP lawmakers. You're supposed for that you're supposed to read stupid Jerry Falwell moral majority god bots. You're the only ones who care. Nobody else cares. Why are you so <laughs> awful? Quote. The book has been criticized by GOP lawmakers for its inclusion of images they argue are inappropriately sexually explicit. What is your response to criticism that the book is inappropriate for school libraries to carry or for young people to read? <laughs> this is the money quote. This is the one you've been waiting for. Kababi responds. If you read my book, you'll discover that it is unbelievably tame. It does, it does include the topics you mentioned. It does touch on masturbation, sex toys, and sexual health. These are things that pretty much everyone will encounter in some form or other in their life. Now, I'm going to take you back to a sample of what we showed you on that uh, November 2021 show. And I want you to tell me, or tell yourself... Or your, I was going to say your dining partner, your viewing partner. Do you find these images unbelievably tame? First one. And I'll read you from the cartoon panels. I was 11 or 12 years old the first time I can remember fantasizing about having a penis. Yeah, you and me both, honey. <laughs> it's a different kind of having. Um... It was a picture of a young boy lying back in the grass. Next panel. I was lying fully clothed on a hillside under an open sky. And then we go to a picture, it's a cartoon drawing, of a, of a hand holding a fistful of grass as if it were a penis between a couple of legs. I held a folded handful of grass between my legs, safe in the knowledge that if discovered, I could release my imaginary member and it would disintegrate back into the scattered stalks. That's an adolescent girl fantasizing about having penis with a picture of a cock made out of grass, Gilligan's Island style in front of her minge. Is that unbelievably tame? Maybe this one is unbelievably tame. 
shot of a torso, naked torso, jeans wearing with a hand on an erect bulge. For years, my standard method of masturbation was stuffing a sock into the front of my pants and manipulating the bulge. This would, and then we go to um, uh, no genitals shown, but um, naked young men uh, lolling on each other in bed. This would evolve into hip thrusting while thinking of my latest gay ship. That is relationship. This is um, fantasy fiction, fan fiction. I ship. I totally ship. I relationship the characters. Like even if even if the show doesn't, I ship. I totally ship. Last one shows somebody sitting in front of a uh, uh, steering wheel driving a car with a hand in the crotch. Memorably, I got off once while driving by just rubbing the front of my jeans and imagining getting a blowjob. Okay. Maybe the next one is unbelievably tamed. This is a conversation allegedly between the author and her sister. When I finally got old enough to be embarrassed, to got old enough to not be embarrassed talking about this stuff with my sister. So we go to the panels. It never, it really never occurred to you to put something into your vagina, not even a finger. The author says, it really didn't. I, I'm going to stop and point something out here. The, if you look at this, the author is drawing this fictionalized version of her teenage self in such a way that she really thinks she looks like a man. Because you read this in cartoon format as, as a young male. She really thinks she looks like this. She doesn't, of course. She looks like exactly what she is a little wispy lesbian. This is exactly like the anorexic who looks in the mirror and literally thinks she's seeing a fat person. So conversation goes on between the sister and brother um, who mysteriously somehow has a vagina about how, how she should really taste her own vagina. So she sticks her finger in there, pulls it out, and we've got a picture of a finger with slime on it, and it's helpfully labeled vagina slime. Was that unbelievably tame? Or how about this one? This is three panels. The first two show oral sex between what appears to be a young boy, which is actually a lesbian, and an older boy. We have the young boy on his knees with the older boy's penis in his mouth. Oral sex, full-on teenage oral sex. Are these things that you feel that you and most people will encounter in everyday life like the author says you will? <laughs> is this incredibly tame? And if this is incredibly tame, what wouldn't be incredibly tame? Where is the line now? Is it um, water sports? You don't know what that is? Use your imagination. Or how about um, scat? Maybe scat activity? You don't know what that is? Well, take water sports to the next level. Think number two. Mm hmm? Yep. Or maybe those are things that the author is hoping you'll begin to run into in your real life and find incredibly tame as well. This is just a sample of this filthy, inappropriate, outrageous book that even 10 years ago, no adult in this country would ever have considered allowing into a library. They wouldn't have even considered admitting that they considered it. That's how quickly this has changed. You want to see the whole thing? Go back, go back to November 21st, 2021, and watch our show. We pulled 26 different pages from this book, and there's almost 200 in the book itself. I shudder to think what was in the pages I didn't see. So coming up on another break here, but would like to ask you to help support our efforts. Things are getting tighter around here. We can feel the social media winds blowing, and we know that we're not going to last on mainstream platforms, and we want to stay in touch with you, and we want to talk with you. So sign up, because now you can talk to us. You come into our Discord. Nobody else but disaffected supporters gets in there. Well, and the few people that I just let in, you know, on sufferance. Um, Patreon.com slash disaffected or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. If you want to do a one-time, one-off donation, you don't want to do it monthly, we love it, appreciate it, use PayPal and send a donation, please, to this address, us 
at disaffected.fm. Every single donation that comes in gets a personal thank you that I do myself by email. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you. See you on the other side. There's a new perk for disaffected subscribers, and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms, 24-7 voice chat, and even a virtual events main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. The days of Disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter, at DisaffectedPod. Follow us on Truth Social, at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at DisaffectedPod. You've been told that sex work is work. And that phrase is doing a couple of different jobs. First, obviously, it's substituting the phrase sex work for prostitution. And it's doing that so that you don't feel the appropriate disgust and uncomfortability emotions that the word prostitution engenders in regular normal people. That's important. You think, we think, People think generally that this kind of linguistic trickery doesn't work on us. It does, though. We think that because intellectually we know that sex work merely means prostitution, that, well, I don't fall for it. But it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. That's the intellectual side. It's not the subconscious emotional side. It does work on you. It works on me. It works on Kevin works on all of us, works on some people more than others. If you're not aware at all and you just swallow it, then it's going to do its job 100%. But it works on us emotionally. We don't notice it, but it gets us more comfortable talking about something abnormal, harmful, usually illegal, as if it were none of those things, as if it weren't those things at all. Merely by erasing the word that carries those emotional connotations, we are fooled emotionally into not seeing this for, for exactly what it is. But it, it also, it works on a lot of people's emotional sympathy for workers, laborers, especially uh, people who are on the left or have left-leaning politics. It, it makes them think of, um, it makes them think of sex workers, not in the sort of dirty, unfortunate category that prostitutes belong to, right? Call girls, hookers, people who work in a brothel. No, these are sex workers. So it makes us think of them as just, just wage earners. It's just like the, di- the drive-through person at McDonald's or the cashier at Walgreens, right? It's working. It's working on society. I want to show you an ad here for the medical information site Medscape that came up on my computer screen the other day. Uh, this is running on Facebook, this ad. So put it up here. It's a an illustration of uh, <clears throat> a man with a naked torso in boxer shorts um, with uh, a fairly prominent um, bulge at the bottom where you can see his penis and testicles. Uh, the text is a, <laughs> and it's it's got a pop out that shows a, a diagram of a testicle. It's actually kind of, I mean, I, I'm sorry, but testicles are gross. They're gross inside and outside. Sorry. Um, <laughs> here's, here's the text. A former healthcare worker who now works in adult entertainment helped one of her regular clients toward a cancer diagnosis. And the headline is, date with adult model leads to testicular cancer diagnosis. Let's examine what's going on. First of all, this is a very, this is an explicit illustration that, excuse me for a second, I'm like one of my cats. I have to like dig my ears out. Okay, back to normal. All right. It's a, it's not a filthy illustration. and I don't want to be too 
prudish about this because there's a place for anatomical, frankly, anatomical drawings. When we're talking about things like crotch cancer, right? Um, but you didn't used to see so much of that as advertisements, right? Just out there that you can just run across anytime. And no, I'm not spending a lot of time on Facebook typing in, show me more about balls, okay? <laughs> so don't tell me it's my fault. <laughs> Um, second, I want you to notice the euphemisms that, that they're using in this ad to try to make sure that your, your emotions don't react to this the way they would normally. So this guy who allegedly uh, got a, a cancer diagnosis, notice that he's going on a date, okay? He's, and he's going on a date not with a prostitute, but with an adult model, you see, because that's normal. Adults model, this is just an adult model, right? <laughs> That's just normal. They're featuring this scenario explicitly here because that's relatable and normal for most men, isn't it? Most men at one time or another are going to have a date with an adult model because that's what modern men do, right? We're not prudes anymore. Sexual revolution already happened, guys. Of course, he wasn't on a date. He paid a whore for a trick. That's what he did. Everybody knows it. Don't get all, uh, I know you. I know you all listening probably aren't getting all, uh, but before I started taping the show today, um, I, no I noticed a group of uh, radical feminist um, um, lesbians uh, cart belly aching about uh, having seen me on Facebook and how terrible it was because I have the temerity. I used the word whore. Like I actually aimed the word whore at a woman and the word bitch. And oh my God, why am I the psychopath? Why is this psychopath out here diagnosing PayPal? <clears throat> so he wasn't on a date. He paid for a trick with a prostitute. He had sex with a prostitute. That's what he did. He's a John or a punter in the UK. And wouldn't you know, <laughs> this had to be part of it. The hooker with a heart of gold saved his life. Here's the second part of this. Well, I went to actually read this on Medscape, and I you'll see that this graphic sort of fade. the text fades out. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to pay for this, okay? So I couldn't read the whole article, but I don't need to read the whole article because you know what the article is going to be about. So I'll read you the first two paragraphs. A former healthcare worker who is now pursuing a career in adult entertainment helped get one of her regular clients toward a cancer diagnosis after urging him to get checked out by a doctor. For seven years, Belle Grace has been working with children and adults diagnosed with autism, but during the COVID-19 pandemic, like many other people, she began to look around for alternative streams of revenue. <laughs> get out of my face. In a minute, they're going to start talking about accessing things and utilizing them, and oh, stop it. See? See, you guys? She's just a normal, regular, giving, caring, empathetic healthcare worker who's working with autistic kids. Isn't she sympathetic? Wouldn't you like to have her over to Sunday dinner? She only got into adult modeling because, you know, she was merely looking for a career change. She was looking for alternative revenue streams, and it was COVID. And lots of people do that, right? I mean, it's normal now. We don't, we don't look down on moms anymore for having an OnlyFans account. That was for the oppressive bad old days. So you see, having regular clients as an adult model in adult entertainment is just normal and unremarkable. And I have to point out, Belle Grace, her totally not porn name, I swear to God. California. California, where all bad ideas come and infect the rest of the country until we all get gangrene and rot and fall into the sea. California is really putting the jack screws to doctors. And the war on truth about COVID is not over, my friends. We, this is not over. Just because the hysteria has tamped down a little bit, the war on truth is not over at all. Do not let your guard up. Guard down, excuse me. The left doesn't want you 
to have any breathing space at all. They got a taste of what near total power and control was like during the alleged pandemic, and they liked it. They liked it. And they don't want to give it up. They're not going to give it up because they don't have to because we're not stopping them. So they ain't going to give it up. California intends to ruin doctors licensed in its state who disagree with what California calls the consensus on COVID and COVID treatment, the enforced consensus. There's a bill called Assembly Bill 2098 in the California legislature. Here's what a group called the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons has to say about it. Quote, this is a, a dangerous bill AB 2098 has been passed by the California legislature that will punish physicians who seek to publicly speak about issues that directly impact their patients' well-being. Quote, for example, under AB 2098, physicians who advocate for the potential benefits of early treatment with off-label drugs or who ask questions about COVID vaccine safety could be charged with unprofessional conduct for promoting, quote, misinformation or disinformation and lose their medical licenses, end quote. They're right. I read the bill. And the bill has been passed and enrolled. It merely awaits the governor's signature. Okay, very last step. <laughs> Let me show you the top of the bill here. The people of the state of California do enact as follows. Section one, the legislature finds and declares all of the following. Let's see what they find and declare. This is from the findings and declarations, the preamble to the goddamn bill. Quote, the global spread of the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus, or COVID-19, has claimed the lives of over 6 million people worldwide, including nearly 90,000 Californians. That's a lie. Next one, next declaration and finding. Data from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention shows that unvaccinated individuals are at risk of dying from COVID-19, have a risk of dying uh, no, okay, bad drafting. The, as in the original, this is a bill. This is a bill that got all the way through the California legislature and nobody figured out that this doesn't make grammatical sense. So I'll read it just as it's written. I'm not gonna try to make these people sound more intelligent than they actually are, idiots. Data from the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention shows that unvaccinated individuals are at a risk of dying from COVID-19 that is 11 times greater than those who are fully vaccinated. That is also a lie. Number three, the safety and efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines have been confirmed through evaluation by the Federal Food and Drug Administration, and the vaccines continue to undergo intensive safety monitoring by the CDC. That's the biggest goddamn lie of them all, and they're shameless. Yeah, the CDC's backpedaling because people are finally asking them to answer for their lies. And this is what California does right at the last minute because they don't want to give up the control. They see the narrative unraveling, and they're not going to let that happen. Here's what the bill actually does. I read the bill. And it does indeed jeopardize the licenses of any physician in California who does not prescribe and speak exactly what the CDC wants them to say. Now, a uh, short lesson in, in how such statutes work. Although I don't deal with the medical industry in my day job, a big part of what I do is legislative analysis, as I've told you before. And it's almost always having to do with regulatory boards, state regulatory boards that oversee an industry. So all of this is very familiar to me. I know how these regulatory boards work, and I want to introduce you to a concept called regulatory capture. That means when the industry has taken over the levers of government and is actually governing itself. So people find this hard to believe, but oftentimes an industry will come along and they will actually ask a state to regulate them. They will go hat in hand to lawmakers and say, we need to be regulated so that the bad apples in our industry don't spoil it for all of us. Never believe them. 
what they want. This is step one for a plan where they will make themselves look to the public and to the lawmakers like they have an altruistic concern for the safety effectiveness or quality of the products that they have to their consumers. But what they really want to do is they want to control the regulatory agency that this proposed bill will create. They want seats written into the law that will give them usually a majority of uh, seats on the board so they can vote on complaints. It's just regulatory capture. I trust none of these boards. If I had a button in front of me and I could push it and it would instantly eliminate the legal authority of every single regulatory board, yes, I am serious. I include physicians boards. I would push that button, yes. I would get rid of all state regulation under this board system, even of doctors and dentists. Yes. Why? You think that they're protecting you. They're not. They're not. I promise you they're not. They are sweeping legitimate complaints under the rug from patients and consumers. They are breaking regulations and rules. They have meetings in secret. Uh, they make decisions that exceed their, their statutory authority. I've been doing this for 20 years. You are not protected. None of you in any state in the United States are protected by any of these boards. Their only purpose is to protect that industry from your actual scrutiny. And the secondary purpose is to shut out competition. They don't want small, independent innovators to come in and challenge them on price or service. And yes, I am also including physicians. They're not demigods. They're just business people like everybody else. Thank you for allowing that digression. <laughs> All right, so here's, here's what the bill actually does. We'll read to you. Quote, it shall constitute unprofessional conduct for a physician and surgeon to disseminate misinformation, misinformation, or disinformation related to COVID-19, including false or misleading information regarding the nature and risks of the virus, its prevention and treatment, and the development safety, excuse me, and effectiveness of COVID-19 vaccines. And in order to understand these things, you always need to go to the definition section. So I did, and disseminate means the conveyance of information from the licensee to a patient under the licensee's care in the form of treatment or advice. Misinformation means false information that is contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus contrary to the standard of care. So it's false if it's contradicted by the contemporary consensus. That means what the people at the top of the ladder, think today in our era. Entirely subjective. So that's misinformation. So any information they decide is false is false. If it's an opinion, a study, an act, a speech act, if it's contradicted by contemporary scientific information and consensus, it is illegal to discuss that with a patient, even if it's true, even if it's true. Even if the patient needs to hear it because making the wrong choice might actually sicken or kill the patient, it's still illegal. Yes, even if it kills the patient. I have seen dozens of reports from people who have and, and I've talked to a couple of people personally who shared details and enough details of this that I believe them. I believe they are telling the truth. And I am very confident that a lot more cases of this are going on than we will ever know. People who have actual, physical, real severe reactions to vaccines, whether it's the, um, the adjuvants that they put in them or uh, the active ingredient itself. These are people who... They are known to their doctors to have um, anaphylactic reactions or other kinds of reactions to vaccines. This is part of their medical chart. It's part of their acknowledged medical history. And their doctors who are aware of this have refused to write them an exemption from the COVID vaccine, even though they know that doctor may even have been the doctor who diagnosed and saw the anaphylactic reaction. They're still refusing to write them an exemption from COVID vaccines. Why? because they're afraid of losing their licenses. Do I think that's a moral choice? No, I don't. I think that doctor has a moral responsibility to risk losing his license instead of potentially killing his patient. Yes, I do. But on the other hand, I also understand what this kind of pressure does to people. 
It's a justified fear because this bill in California is now law. It's only waiting for a signature from the governor. Um, that's the last thing that has to happen. Governor Patrick ba Gavin Newsom needs to sign this. And then it's the law of the land in California. He's not going to veto it. I mean, I know this physician's group, they're doing the right thing. They're, they're urging people to write and say veto it. And I'm not going to urge you to do anything because I don't think it makes a jack shit's worth of difference. Um, but it's going to become law. There will be court challenges. But I have no idea whether those challenges will be effective or not. I mean, look, look, we looked at a court case earlier where the judge simply dismissed an allegation in Virginia that that this book, Gender Queer, was obscene, dismissed it before the trial even happened. The evidence wasn't even presented. So, you know, who knows what a court will do if this gets challenged. The war on truth, the war on free expression, the war on autonomy is not over. It's not over. Don't lower your defenses. The war on you is heating up, especially since some of the hysteria is draining away from the public. This is when the power mongers really start scrambling and they start writing laws. So keep your guard up. And remember, sign up to support us and we'll see you in the Discord chat. Talk to you next week. There's a new perk for disaffected subscribers, and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms, 24-7 voice chat, and even a virtual events main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. The days of Disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter, at DisaffectedPod. Follow us on Truth Social, at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at DisaffectedPod.